So when you're looking at numbers and you're looking at trends, I mean, 80 billion pounds of food is thrown away each year in the U.S. Not spoiled food, just regular food. I mean, you know, food that you that's not used in in restaurants, foods that's not used in stores. Those food, we what we try to do is try to monitor how many of those uh, pounds can actually get donated back to a local food bank so they can use it and they can distribute it. You know, that's, you know, I mentioned 80 billion pounds, 40% of the U.S. food supply. That's 219 pounds per person. Wow. $1,600 per family. If you don't have analytics, you don't have those numbers. Welcome to Alter Everything, a podcast about data science and analytics culture. I'm your host, Maddie Johansson, and in this episode, you'll hear a conversation I had with Chris Williams, Chief Technical Officer for Precision Analytics Group from Portland, Oregon. And I am uh, proud to say that Precision Analytics Group is a minority-owned business entity. Chris is super passionate about giving back using his analytics skills, and he shared some ways in which data and all tricks can help unlock solutions to solving hunger in local communities. I never forget where I came from, so I always want to try and help out whenever I can. The stars just aligned to be able to turn analytics into something like this, which is a, a huge problem right now, and bring some light to it. Let's get started. funny because we met at Inspire 2019, which I guess is a little over a year now ago and in Nashville. And it was so much fun. And I just really miss that Inspire vibe. But um, I'm glad to have you back here on the podcast because I remember after our conversation in Nashville, where you recorded a mini interview episode with me, which we'll link to in the show notes. You know, I think we both had the feeling that we needed to book a longer full episode to chat more. So, uh, you know, finally, we found the time to record and here we are. Here we are, and, and it's a real honor to be here. Um, I'm real excited to dive into the topics that we have, and this conversation that we're going to have will really shed some light on an issue that's really permeating the country and actually the world, but we'll focus on the country, and so I'm ready to dive in head first. Perfect. Yeah. You know, thinking about food banks and how important they are to communities, I just want to know from your perspective personally, why... Why food banks as this passion project of yours? Well, I've always been fascinated by hunger, and hunger is a worldwide problem. But as far as the U.S. is concerned, more than 37 million people struggle with hunger in the U.S., including more than 11 million children. More than 56%, more than half food insecure households participated in at least one of the major food assistance programs. SNAP, also known as Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. People may know them as food stamps. Mm -hmm. The National School Lunch Program and the Special Supplemental Nutrition Program for Women, Infants, and Children, also called WIC. All of these organizations, all of these initiatives are focused on trying to deal with hunger. So when we fast forward to the present time, now we're dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. The aforementioned numbers actually become even more inflated. Many families are without stable employment, and it's anticipated that more than 54 million people, including 18 million children, may experience some food insecurity in 2020. 
So I mentioned that term. What is food insecurity exactly? A household that is food insecure has limited or uncertain access to enough food to support a healthy life. Children deal with this more than any other group because they are reliant upon adults to get them fed. So why do I care? I've always really cared about it. I volunteer here in the Portland area with the Oregon Food Bank. It, it's been something that I've actually dealt with in my younger life when I was uh, growing up. I've had times of hunger when my parents and I were growing growing up together, and obviously. And I never forget where I came from. So I always want to try and help out whenever I can. The stars just align to be able to turn analytics into something like this, which is a, a huge problem right now, and bring some light to it. And when you bring light to something, more people pay attention. And this is all about awareness and trying to deal with the problem. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fantastic that you volunteer. And this is just really close to your heart. And thank you for sharing that story. Because, you know, I think, as you pointed out, it's something that is definitely more common than anybody knows. And it is incredibly important. And yeah, I, I appreciate all of the background and all of the statistics for people, because I'm, I'm sure uh, other countries too, outside of the States also experience this and staggering rates. And I think analytics can really be a huge tool in, in fighting this and answering these really tough human challenges. And I, I want to know, you know, when you work with nonprofits and food banks, what are some data trends that you see, or maybe some pain points that they struggle with? As people lose their jobs, people are becoming more and more reliant on food banks and nonprofits for their meals. I mean, take Texas, for example, the San Antonio Food Bank, there are people driving in for miles. There are lines carrying around corners, down streets. They just want to be able to get food mm -hmm. when, you, when you're not working. And as you know, the coronavirus pandemic has basically sidelined a lot of people that cannot work right now. So not only are they trying to figure out what their rent situation is going to be, they're trying to figure out what they're going to eat in the next meal. Mm -hmm. Not to be over dramatic, but that's the reality of a lot of people right now. So when you're looking at numbers and you're looking at trends, I mean, 80 billion pounds of food is thrown away each year in the U.S. Not spoiled food, just regular food. I mean, you know, food that you that's not used in in restaurants, foods that's not used in stores, those food, we, what we try to do is try to monitor how many of those uh, pounds can actually get donated back to a local food bank so they can use it and they can distribute it. You know, that's, you know, I mentioned 80 billion pounds, 40% of the U.S. food supply. It's 219 pounds per person. Wow. $1,600 uh, per family. If you don't have analytics, you don't have those numbers. And it takes a, a dedicated team of people to compile these numbers and try to figure out how to whittle that down. So you have these high level numbers, right? And so at each community level, it's a slice of that, you know, those numbers. How are we going to address that? What can we do to address that? One way is donor information, keeping an idea of how many donors do you have right now? How much are they donating? 
maybe you can have an initiative to encourage more donations. And maybe you hit that different, you know, maybe you have a restaurant that donates a lot. Maybe you want to go have a campaign that actually targets more restaurants in your area because this is clearly something that restaurants deal with. Why not get that food? You know, it's, it's donated. It's free. You know, you get that information. Someone will eat that night. I mean, there are times in which I've growing up, I mentioned that I dealt with hunger. There are times where I've grown up and, you know, it was a decision whether or not I was going to have something where my mother was going to have something. So, you know, these are decisions that parents have to make and we have enough food that we shouldn't have to be forced to make those kind of decisions. So let's try to cut into gap. And so this is why analytics are important and, you know, People shouldn't be intimidated by their mounds and mounds of data that are coming in. So just attack a piece, get one part of the story, get as much data as you can about that, you know, particular topic, that subtopic within the hunger and address that. Then another topic comes up, supplements that. Then as you can see, the domino effect will follow. You get information and more information. It makes you, enables a person to make objective decisions on what should happen next, changing strategy when it needs to be changed, keeping things going when things are working, that kind of thing. Totally. Yeah. You shared a really cool use case on the community uh, that looks at food distribution centers. And I'd love for you to just maybe give us an overview of what that use case was. Sure. The use case that I actually submitted focused around the San Francisco and Marin County Food Bank. We were doing some prospective work for them and they've turned into a client. And the use case that we wanted to address there were how many of their open food banks were located in areas that had a high amount of high poverty households and elderly populated households. So when I say open food banks, these are food banks, they've had to close a lot of food banks because of a variety of reasons, uh, whether it be short on staff, whether it be just not able to be kept open for financial reasons. Uh, we just wanted to make sure that we had all of the open food banks in placed on a map so people could see what areas they're able to support. So this was the set set the stage for what we have for this particular use case that you can see on the community. And this really helped the organization make some decisions on what areas were being neglected and what areas needed to be addressed by either food deliveries or uh, mobile food banks. And mobile food banks are probably the quickest fix right now. Um, this is one of the reasons why spatial analysis is so important because you throw a spatial influence into all the other pieces of data. So we have a whole bunch of demographic data. Obviously we have the location data for the food banks for this uh, San Francisco area. You throw that together in a map and it tells a complete story or at least tells part of a story where you might want to address because maps and points actually is the quickest way to visually represent what you're doing and how effective it's doing it. Yeah. And I, I definitely want to get into the spatial stuff as well. And I, I, I think I, to take a quick step back, you had given a training, an Alteryx training for food bank professionals. And, you know, I saw somebody introduce themselves in the chat as being on a data team at a food bank, which 
I loved. I thought that was so cool that they had a team for people to think about these problems from that data and analytics mindset. And I wonder how common this is for food banks to have dedicated data workers as resources on staff because you know as you mentioned food banks are closing and they don't have enough staff to just from an operational level so i think from a uh, an analytics level and from a perspective of somebody trying to work with the data i would imagine that that potentially is a novelty you know but it sounds like it's absolutely vital it's more common than you think because the abundance of data that comes in daily to food banks is really astronomical. Mm -hmm. They may not necessarily be identified as data custodians per se, but they are responsible for bringing in data, whether it been data from volunteering numbers from a event that may have taken place throughout the week, meals, the number of meals provided to hungry families, how many pounds of food get donated per, to food banks as a whole. Everybody who works there is basically a data source. Mm -hmm. They are responsible for interacting with the public, whether it be from a you know a donation perspective or basically as a distributor on how what kind of food or how much food gets donated to a certain area. All of that has to be tracked in order for the results to actually hit correctly in a certain area. So let me cycle back to the use case. You know, we use spatial analytics to identify the census tract areas that had high amounts of elderly populated and high amounts of poverty areas within the San Francisco area. Every community has to do this. The more demographics that you introduce to an analysis, the more complete your data will be. And and the more objective decisions you can make as a result of that, because the maps will tell you the story because you're combining it with a whole bunch of different aspects. So let me go back. So we have identified where are high populated areas of elderly people and high poverty areas. So when we look at high poverty, we look at people making less than $10,000 a year, elderly 65 years and older. So we wanted to identify it because it's going to be harder for them to actually get anywhere to get food dealing with the COVID pandemic right now. Vehicles, they may not have vehicles anyway, but public transportation may not be as readily available. So if you're in town, you're basically looking at on foot. You're basically walking to and from. So this is where the spatial came into play for me, uh, because not only did I want to plot where their open food banks were, I gave them a trade area of quarter of a mile to support those individuals who may be on foot. Quarter of a mile is basically how much I would, you know, we took a guess at that, trying to figure out what made sense and how far people would walk for food and how far people would walk back with a bunch of food that would be safe for them. Mm -hmm. And so plotting that on a map in and overlaying it on those areas of demographics that we discussed allowed the San Francisco and Marin Food Bank to say, oh, okay, this is what this food bank is supporting right now. This is located in these areas. But wait a minute, we have these areas over here where we don't have a food bank. And we put it into a nice workflow in Alteryx and an output into a PDF report, which really hit home for a lot of our you know, clients who have seen this and definitely hit home for the training because it is something that's tangible that you can hand over to 
a higher up group and that makes more financial decisions and say, here, this is what this workflow is telling you. This is what your data is telling you. And this is how it looks on a map. Please use this in your decision-making process on where money is going to go and where the next piece of strategy is going to take place. So you mentioned the training. I'm happy to say that uh, we have started a new discussion group, the Alteryx Food Bank discussion group within uh, the Alteryx for Good community. And we had our initial training on Thursday. It was wonderful. We're going to build and we're going to raise awareness and we're going to make an area where other food banks around the country can feel confident that they can A, get their answers from this area and B, share their stories. The more collaboration that we can do, the better everybody around gets. Yeah, it's it's so inspiring to see the conversations happening on the community and, you know, even just during that training in the chat, because I think one of the things that really stood out to me in your explanation there was just how important it is to remember that the people on the front lines, the people who are working at the food banks, every person there knows the backstory and they know the statistics for their community and they know the people in their community. And I think being able to add that color and have that personal on the ground experience kind of is almost more important than knowing how to drop a polygon in all tricks, right? I mean, like, it's definitely important. But I think that those are the skills that you can learn. Whereas, you know, the the on the ground experience and the on the ground knowledge is so uh, you can't just learn that, right? I mean, that's something that you really have to be a part of. And even collecting donor information, or, you know, just how you explain that everybody that works at a food bank or a nonprofit touches data in some way can be really empowering to to recognize because I think that some people can be a little intimidated when it comes to, okay, I need to put together this analysis. I need to tell a story with my data and there's high stakes because this could affect different aspects of the, of the organization if I don't get it right. And so I think it's important to to call that out. And I'm really glad that you did. It's something that is doable and it's a skill that can be learned and data literacy is really important, but it's, it's definitely attainable for anybody out there who wants to try. Indeed. And being a part of your community, I mean, there's a sense of ownership. I mean, part of the reason why I volunteer at the Oregon food bank is because this is my community. This is where I live. I've lived in Portland for eight years and I see hunger permeate downtown Portland. I see it throughout the, the state and, you know, being able to volunteer on Saturdays and being able to pack boxes or, or collect vegetables and fruits for uh, hungry people that are going to be directly affected by the work that I'm doing and doing with a bunch of people that day is very fulfilling. Being a part of that data that's being collected is very fulfilling. You don't have to be a data whiz to do this. You don't have to be a spatial whiz to do this. You are contributing to the story, the data story that's being told that will help influence what happens next in that community. So you had mentioned about spatial and how people aren't spatial whiz, whizzes around. And it's really 
you know, difficult and can seem very intimidating. <laughs> I am one of these people. I was terrified of spatial. Mm -hmm. I wanted no part of it. I looked at these green icons and the Alteryx designer and I'm seeing find nearest, I'm seeing create point, I'm seeing poly build. I'm just like, oh my goodness, <laughs> what am I doing here? I am a fish out of water and I am lost. And honestly, I have to give a lot of credit to a really good colleague and a really good friend of mine, Nicole Johnson. She's an Alteryx ace. She actually came to the Portland Alteryx user group and gave a really phenomenal spatial presentation. Of course she did. There. She's awesome. Yes, she is. She, <laughs> she is awesome. And she really encouraged me to go outside my box and learn spatial. So it was about a year ago. So what I did is I actually started off with the, the Grand Prix weekly challenge. I think it was challenge 129. And she said, try it. And so... I took the challenge, I challenged myself, and really put my mind to it. Took spatial classes at the the last Inspire in Nashville and really, really challenged myself to come up with different use cases for uh, that would require me to know some spatial and enter the food banks. And this was just the the, the perfect storm of being able to test things. And now. Now, I am not intimidated at all. The one thing I would probably tell you and, and tell anybody else who is starting off where I started off as being intimidated by spatial, what I would say is, is that just don't. Just dive right in. <laughs> you use spatial to do pretty much anything that you do in life anyway. You use spatial analytics to find out which grocery store is going to be the closest one and the best one for you to go to. You're just not putting a fancy title on it. That's analytics, that's spatial. Being able to do this within Alteryx, having the community to, to help you guide, you know, guide you along the way to trying to, you know, embark on this journey. You're in a safe zone within this Alteryx community. All we want you to do is succeed. That's really encouraging. And I know that, you know, we're talking to everybody listening out there, but I mean, I feel like you were just talking to me directly because I am definitely scared to start out with learning the spatial tools. And I think I was definitely intimidated to start learning all tricks in general, but then, you know, once you just get started and you try, you realize like, okay, yeah, I can do this and this isn't that bad. And so I'm sure the same will happen with spatial. It's just like the, that first initial step for some reason is always so mm -hmm. difficult. For sure. Whenever you learn something new, it's not going to be easy. And so the thing that kept me going is that once I learn it, things will become much easier. So yeah, so I'm going to go through some growing pains. We all do. Whenever we learn anything new, we go go through growing pains. But being a business intelligence developer and working with databases and understanding how Alteryx can help me get better and actually do analysis rather than doing data prep for analysis, it gives me time back to my day. And this is the thing that I always push to my clients and uh, anybody else who's very curious about what Alteryx is, I said Alteryx is a phenomenal tool. It actually gives you time back in your day. It allows you to analyze rather than prepare to analyze. Yeah, and I 
think this is a good time to plug our Alteryx for Good program, which provides Alteryx licenses for nonprofits and students out there. So we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes so people out there can learn more about that. You know, if you work at a nonprofit and you're interested in getting that time back in your day, as you said, it's definitely, um, it helps you analyze instead of preparing to analyze. I think that's so important. And for people who do get an AFG license, um, what is a piece of advice that you have for them? You know, I think you mentioned just, just dive in and try, but I think also how you in your use case used that census data. How do you know to to do those things? And how do you know how to enrich your data and provide an analysis? Or even how do you tell a great story with your data? How do you get started with that? Well, I've been, even though I've only been in Alteryx for about three and a half years, I've been in analytics for about 24. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing that's always helped me is that I don't always focus on the primary question. And when I'm gathering data, I just gather data. I get every piece of data that I can get my hands on. It may not answer a primary question that was proposed, but it's surely going to formulate something down the road. So, you know, when I look at the primary question, I look at the data for the primary question, but you also have to think two or three moves ahead. You have to ask that secondary question or those that tertiary question which will inevitably expose something brand new that you haven't even thought of before and that only goes through just talking something out it's like uh, not to be not to use a pun here so it's literally a workflow get every piece of data that you possibly can get you can't create something that's not there but you can always hold something in the back for when you possibly need it. Data is your friend. It's when you don't have data is when you cannot make decisions and you cannot make objective decisions because when you don't have data, your decisions become subjective, not objective. And you want the the objective piece to win. I love that advice. Um, And jumping forward then to actually working with the data, if you have any sort of secret weapon in your back pocket when it comes to using the spatial tools in Alteryx, I want to know what that might be. And this might be a little hard to explain over audio, but um, we'll be sure for our listeners to link to any of the concepts that Chris talks about here in the show notes. But for example, we, we had emailed about multi-layered maps and polygons and trade areas and like all those things. So if you want to introduce any concepts to our audience about those things, that would be awesome. Sure. I'll actually go through, you, take you through the thought process of how I came up with the multi-layered map for this instance. So you know, I was given an Excel spreadsheet of all of the open locations, all open food banks within the San Francisco Marin County supporting area. And, you know, we, what we wanted to do is try to create a spatial use case that would make sense. So what I wanted to do first was, is that I didn't want to join the data. So I wanted to take, create a point on the map with all of the open food banks, but I, I also wanted to analyze the demographic information that we got from our business insights package. So I wanted to take the household data and create a polygon 
so that those polygons would be able to be evenly distributed amongst the city. And this could be any city. I did it for San Francisco in this case. I also did it for the Houston Food Bank and as I did through the training. But I wanted to create a polygon so that the polygon would be able to be color-coded based on the volume of households within that demographic. And so normally what you would do is you may want to join those two pieces of data together to figure out where exactly they meet as far as the matching is concerned. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do a simple overlay because the overlay will tell you more of a story on where you need to go. So after you know, creating, you know, I just had the addresses. So I used a, a geo decoder to create the lat long. Then I created my spatial points. And then, you know, after I did my spatial info, I created a trade area using the, you know, the trade area icon and tool. And so since we're dealing with San Francisco, which is a really small peninsula, we wanted to make sure we had a trade area that actually made sense. So we decided upon our you know, 0.25, you know, quarter of a mile to symbolize the walking distance. So after I created that point and created the trade area, now I have the first part of what I wanted to do on this map, right? So I wanted to be able to create the point and create a little circle around that point to promote which areas that, that the, the radius in which that food bank would support. So the next thing I would do is go ahead and create the, the polygon layer. And the polygon actually, you know, there are a couple ways you could do it. So one way that I did it was is that I went through the allocate input and chose the census data. And one of the things that you can do, you can have as an output is being able to output actual spatial object field, which would be in this case, the polygon. So I satisfied my requirements as far as choosing the high poverty or the elderly population. I think in my training, I actually focused on age 45 to 54 because integrating the census data from the household pulse survey, which was something new that we added, I'll get to that in a second. It actually exposed that the, hung, the most hungry people in, as far as the age was concerned was the ages 40 to 54 in a lot of these metropolitan areas. So I switched that a little bit to try to bring that point home and created a PDF report that actually combined all of that data to provide a case for that. This may help leading into more funding to deal with that particular problem. So getting back to the spatial here. So I've created my polygon and I've created my point, spatial point with the trade area. I wanna overlay those guys. I wanna make sure if I overlay these guys, then that actually tells a story on Okay, this is where this point is, and this is where how it lies within all these polygons. So I created some layers in the map. So I had those two streams flowing in, and then I created a color code. So the color code was based off of the, the population of the demographic that I'm dealing with. So specifically the age range. And what Alteryx does, and it's really awesome that Alteryx is intelligent enough to do this, is that it'll take all of that, the, the measures generated, the numbers created, and it'll create five even fields or even you know breakdowns of that data. And you can decide how the color code goes. I like to go from red to blue. So the red being the most you know, highly populated and blue being the least and being able to have that those colors be identified. 
So you have the polygons on, on the bottom, and then you have the, the points in the trade area on the tops. And when you layer those guys, it comes up to a really nice, you know, perfect type of uh, situation where you have all your points without any bounds as far as a join is concerned on a map in front of your face to say, this is what your data is telling you. So we added another aspect to this. So I have the map and I have the points on the map and that's really, really cool. So more is better in some cases. So I wanted to bring it home a little bit more. So the census data actually has some household you know, survey information off of its page that is free to download. So what I did is that we went and, and took that information, downloaded 11 weeks worth of data and put that into a repository and included that analysis off of, and as well as the map into one report. So we took that and, you know, took, I believe it was 2B of, uh, or four actually food sufficiency. And we identified the hunger, what, who, what age groups were hungry for a particular week. And then we did a rolling four week average to get a more stable trend on what was actually happening because sometimes the week to week can fluctuate. So the rolling four week average was actually a decision maker of why I wanted to choose a certain age group to focus the map on. So once you have your layered map and it turns into a, a reporting exercise. And one thing I want to do say is that uh, the Alteryx reporting capabilities is very, are very underrated. They, it can provide you a very slick and informative business style report, especially if you don't have a reporting system on the back end to develop this. We were able to create a, a really comprehensive report with a cover page, with maps, with a line chart, just like we did in the training. And so uh, this is what we came up with. And delivering that to a client and having somebody say, here, this is what we've come up with with your one piece of data. We got one piece of data, which were the, the addresses of all the open food banks and, you know, me and my company, we were able to go ahead and take that one spreadsheet and turn it into this. So it's something that everybody else can be confident that you can do as well. And the nonprofit organizations that are that we have been, you know, trying to service and educate about what we've done. This is something that you can definitely do because you have the blueprint now to do it and then expand from there. Maybe there, there's so much data to be had. This census data that we just found, that's free. That anybody can get that. So, you know, the business insights becomes important because we were able to create the polygons off of the demographic data that had already existed. So we combined stuff that has already, you know, existed along with new information, and you can combine even more information into this workflow to get an even better story. So. Along with that, the more data is better theme that I'd like to make sure gets known <laughs> is very applicable. <laughs> totally. 
Yeah. And it's so helpful to hear you kind of break down the the concepts because, you know, if you leave it out of category, if you just say, oh, I'm going to try spatial, I think it can be kind of mystifying. And so uh, breaking it down and saying you can do all of these different things with it and just tackling them one by one, I think helps to really demystify it. So that was really, really helpful. And also super cool to hear how you took that spreadsheet and you turned it into this ridiculously helpful and easy to visualize report. Uh, I think that's amazing. So we'll be sure to link to um, everything that Chris just talked about, as well as just some other resources that are out there on the community to help people kind of understand and get a better idea and follow along with what you were saying. Wonderful. And 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 this is the one thing about Alteryx, and this is just a general Alteryx statement I'm about to make, <laughs> is that it makes it it makes data investigation and data processing and data blending fun. Because really, you get instantaneous results as soon as you run a workflow. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, and you know, this has all been so inspiring. And for people out there that are looking for maybe skill-based volunteering opportunities, maybe they are an analyst in our community and they, they can do the same thing that you're doing. How do they approach that? How do they find these opportunities? And maybe for people even who aren't looking for skill-based, but just in general, you know, where are your favorite places to find these opportunities and get involved? I think hopefully, and this is the whole reason, one of the themes behind why I wanted to start this discussion group is to post air. We have a thread, hopefully we'll turn it into something bigger and just throw your hat into the ring. Maybe go find a, a local facility and just ask them, send them an email, give them a call. If you want, if you feel comfortable enough, drop by. It's really as simple as that. I mean, you don't have to have an out-of-body experience to contribute. It may be as simple as just asking question one or sending one form of communication to anything local that you can find. I mean, everybody has data (laughs) that can help you. And hopefully, you know, I've been able to shed a little light on how you can start. Because Alteryx for Good is fantastic. They know of a lot of opportunities. I mean, yeah, I can, you can feel free to reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to start a discussion with you about opportunities that I've seen in addition to, you know, I mean, obviously you've seen the use case, but for that one use case, I've seen probably at least eight or 10 different requests outside of that. So let's start a conversation and figure out where it goes from there. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for joining me. I'm so glad that we finally got to make this happen. It was actually kind of cool, I guess, to do kind of like a one-year follow-up from our last conversation. (laughs) So yeah, this was great. Thank you so much. And Maddie, thank you so much. It's really an honor to speak to the community. It's an honor speaking with you, of course. And uh, let's do it again sometime. Totally. Yeah, anytime. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you're interested in learning more about our Alteryx for Good program, Chris's Alteryx use case, or anything else discussed on today's episode, check out our show notes at community.alteryx.com podcast. And while you're there, register for a free community account. You can learn more about Alteryx, join in on the conversation, and connect with over 175,000 users who are passionate about data. Catch you next time. Perfect. You're a professional.
So I'll cut it there. This was fun. I, was it okay? It was awesome. Honestly, the entire time I'm like scrambling writing on this piece of paper. I'm like, okay, this is a tweetable quote, tweetable quote. Like everything that you said, I think was just a perfect soundbite. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was killer. You nailed it. 